0: Would you pray with me? God, we we come before you. uh, I come before you humbly this morning. God, my mind is distracted many times. Our hearts are captured by empty, vain things, Father. And I pray that the words of Solomon that we've just read together would ring in our hearts and the truth of them would ring in our hearts and it would change our perspective on what we see. We thank you so much for Jesus. God, we center around his finished work and what it's done in us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, uh, I showed that clip of the sixth sense because I think it's, it beautifully illustrates exactly where Solomon wants to take us in Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote the book of of Ecclesiastes. We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about that clip. Um, One of the things that the, the little boy says, and you guys have probably all seen that movie, right? Uh, one of the things the little boy says is they only see what they want to see. And at the beginning of the movie, he's, the little boy's talking to Bruce Willis's character and he says, I see dead people. You guys have, you know, I didn't use the voice because it would make you chuckle and I don't want you guys to chuckle right now. But you chuckle anyway. Uh, but the point is that that's like the very ending scene of, of the film, and it changes the way you look at everything. Bruce Willis, throughout the whole movie, the the director wants you to think that he's alive and he's engaging with characters, but when you see that at the end, you begin to think about, wait a second, I remember when he was supposedly talking to his wife, he really wasn't talking to her, and you see the the, the videos or the the remembrances that he's remembering sitting down with his wife, and and talking to this, this kid's mom and, and all those things just didn't really happen. It's just him imagining them happening. And it changes everything. And so for me, when I saw the, this, this movie, I wanted to go, okay, I want, let's start over and watch it again so that I can see that Bruce Willis is really dead when he's talking to all these people. And if you haven't seen it, it's like 15 years old, so shame on you if you... I didn't, I didn't let the cat out of the bag or any of that stuff. Forget about you. Uh, people like, this is like this great, like cliffhanger change twist on in like American film, whatever. And don't ruin it for people. Well, it's it's been out long enough. If you were going to see it, you would would have already seen it. So I don't feel bad. But the point is, I want us to to see the world differently. Um, I want our perspectives to change, and that's that's the heart of, of where. ...we're going and where Solomon has taken us. Before we we get into that, we we need to do a little bit of work on uh, this... ...what what the book of Ecclesiastes is. It was written by by Solomon. And we need to know that Solomon was probably the the richest man, the most powerful man... ...and definitely the wisest man to have ever taken a breath on this planet. All right? He's rich, he's wise, and he's powerful. There's nothing throughout the course of his life that Solomon kept from himself. If he saw something that he wanted, it was his. And this book is the result of that life lived where anything that he wanted to get, he got for himself. Money, stuff, women, power, Anything that he wanted, he got. Anything that that caught his eye, he got. But here, at the end of his life, just in, as in the movie Sixth Sense, his perspectives change. He realizes that everything that's been happening is complete worthlessness. Complete worthlessness. And the second thing we need to understand is to explain this idea of, of wisdom literature. What is wisdom literature? It's literature that's designed to Put wisdom into us. Uh, I was talking to Ben before we, we, we pray right in there every, every Sunday morning at 9.30. By the way, you're welcome to join us. Any, any Sunday morning at 9.30, show up, we're praying in there. Before we started, I was talking to Ben, uh, and he said he reads the Psalms from Psalm 1 all the way through Ecclesiastes all the time, in addition to the stuff that he's reading, because he's wanting to pour wisdom into himself. And I said, that's, that's beautiful. That's exactly what we're talking about. And, and when we see wisdom literature, it is redundant. And as, as we walk through, this is, we're going we're gonna to be in Ecclesiastes now for 12 weeks. There's 12 chapters. We're going to be in it for 12 weeks. Um, and it's going to get redundant. He's going to say the same thing. Dave and I are going to say the same things over and over and over and over again in different contexts. But there's a point, there's a beauty in the redundancy. And that it's something that has to be pounded into our heads over and over and over again. And if, if Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is writing this book, sort of the, the memoirs of his life, Ecclesiastes is kind of what that is. If the wisest man that ever lived, divinely inspired to write these words, are redundant, there's a, there's a theme, there's a method, there's a point to the redundancy. And the point is, you and I need to have this pounded into our heads. And it's not just... For this 12 weeks, we're going to go like right up to Thanksgiving with this series. It's not just for, you know, between now and Thanksgiving that we need to pound these into our head. It's, it's continually, over and over and over again. Redundancy is going to happen a lot. Um, yesterday morning at, at breakfast, we were having uh, biscuits and gravy at my house. And the bottle of orange juice was, was sitting on the table we're talking about the series coming up. We're talking about the word perspective. And Cooper looks at me and he says, what, is, what does perspective mean? And I said, look at this bottle of orange juice, Cooper. I can see the front label. It says Tropicana right in front of me. I can see that. But he was on the other side of it. You can't see that. But on the other side of it, you can see like the, the dietary stuff that's in, this, in a, a bottle of orange juice. And, and you can see that. And I can't see it. That's perspective. You're looking at the bottle from a different direction than I'm looking at it. And he said, uh, he looked at me and he said, so perspective is just the way you look at something. Yes, exactly right. The per- perspective is just the way you look at something. And this, what Mike and Dave and I as elders have prayed about for the series for months. We were supposed to start this series in February. You realize we were supposed to start the series in February, but God moved shape and shaped and distracted us with other things, and we did other stuff, and it was all good stuff, but now we're here in this book today for a purpose. And that purpose is that God would change our perspective, the way we look at life. The tagline for this series, meaning for life on this earth. Changing our perspective so we can find meaning here. Um, so let's get to the text that... Amy read for us a bit, Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11. The first is just the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Uh, Ecclesiastes really is, is a, a gathering of people and speaking to this gathering of people. If, if you notice in your Bible that this word preacher is capitalized, the P is capitalized. So there's authority that's that's coming from the mouth of This preacher. And the preacher here is Solomon. So he's got some wise authority. People know and establish who he is, and and they they say he's the the son of David and the King of Jerusalem. And then verse two is a really important verse. Uh, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There's twelve words in verse two. Five of them are vanity. Remember me talking about redundancy? Five out of twelve words, and in in, in really the first, the verse one is just letting us know what's happening. Verse two is is the meat of what's happening. All right. So of twelve words, five of them are this word, vanity. Redundancy, purposeful redundancy. This word, vanity, is the Greek or the, the Hebrew word, hebel, and this word is used in every chapter of the book, every chapter of Ecclesiastes this word shows up. And it's used a total of 39 times. It means, the literal translation of this word is vapor. You ever try to capture vapor? You ever seen a a boiling pot of water on the stove and the vapor's popping up? Do your best next time you see that to try and catch, apprehend, hold some vapor. can't. It's, it's, It's like nothing there. And I think the beauty of the word vanity, and this vapor, meaningless, it's really hard to grasp the concept of vanity. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? But I think it's beautiful. And so this is what is here. This meaningless, worthless, vapor, fleeting, unfathomable, uncatchable, unable to hold No other word is used more in the book of Ecclesiastes than this word, five times in the first verse. Matt Chandler does some great work on uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, he, Solomon, is going to methodically, over the course of 12 chapters, talk about every aspect of living and attach worthlessness to it. Think about that methodically, over and over again. And we'll talk about that next week and in the weeks to come, each one of these particular aspects of life. And Solomon is going to attach worthlessness to it. The pursuits of our lives, most of the time, are worthless. In and of themselves, worthless. But it's God that that puts the value in something. So the thing in itself is worthless, but God has placed value and worth in some things. Turn with me to, let's read verses 3 through 7 and look at the dark and depressed outlook of Solomon here. And this is, by the way, if if you're like me, if if you have some compassion inside of you, you're going to want to give Solomon a hug. Seriously, he's just depressed a lot. I really want to give him a hug, Uh, but I'm sure he's on to more important things. Verse 3 What does a man gain by all, all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns over and over and over again. Verse 7. This does a a great job of of painting the picture he's he's trying to paint here. Verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. Do you realize that rivers right now are running to the oceans? Have been since before your great, great, great grandparents were born. And they will be when our great, 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 great grandchildren are born. Just over. It's just this cycle of life. And the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. This just makes my mind wonder about God has created all of this. He could have created anything in any way for things to operate and work. But this is what he decided to do, to teach us these lessons in creation. Um, we used to, uh, we have a we at our house, and we used to do this thing called we fit all the time. Who's, who's messed with the we fit before? Four or five of you raise your hands. Probably more of you have actually messed with it. I never raise my hand when a guy talks anyway. Raise your hand if I don't ever do that. So don't feel bad if you didn't. Uh, but we used to mess with this thing all the time. And like, uh, there's this this like run. You can you can run on WeFit, Fit, okay? And you hold the the little nunchuck or whatever I don't know what it's called, the thing in your hand, the the remote, the whatever. And and you just you like run in place or you run around your living room or whatever. And you're sitting there watching it and like. For the Wii, you can create different people. So like all your your family and your friends, and they kind of look like your friends and, and whatever. And so as you're running, there's a bunch of people running with you, and it's like this mountain scene, right? You're running up and down through the mountains and whatever, and every once in a while, like if I'm doing it, like Cooper will run by, or or Kyle will run by or whatever. Any of the Wii's that, that we've made or just run by. And so we're, you know... All of this is designed to kind of encourage you, to keep you going. And, and they kind of, as you're, they're running by, they kind of walk by and, you know, give you one of those. And, and they're, so it's encouraging to you. And then you get to the end and there's this, you know, this big banner at the end of, of your run. And everybody's there and they're just cheering and, you know, yay, you did it, way to go. And then you finish and then you set the remote down and you turn the TV off and you're in your living room. turn it back on and do the same thing again. They try and trick you into thinking you're someplace that you're not, but you're still in your living room. The point that that he's making here in these verses three through seven is that life is is a treadmill. Life is a a Wii Fit game. People are running around, encouraging you, distracting you, pushing you on and whatever, but ultimately you are where you are. And it makes me want to give Solomon a hug. There's a cycle to everything And nothing ever changes. But then, verse 8 is the central verse to, to what he's doing here and where he's going. Look at it with me. All things are full of weariness. Again, the wisest man who ever lived, divinely inspired by the Spirit of God to write this word. All things are full of weariness whatever it is that you pursue apart from God, weariness. Nothing is going to change for you. Nothing ever changed for your parents or your kids. All things are filled with weariness. A man cannot utter it. And then, look at the, what's after the semicolon there. This is beautiful. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Don't miss here this concept. We've we've talked for nine months now about what what to name this series. Perspective. Changing our perspective. What we chase, what we pursue, what we value. What, What do we value? What do you value? What is really important to you? It's Sunday. In about an hour and 20 minutes, all across this United States of America, people are going to scream and yell for a football. What do you value? Perspective. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Nor the ear filled with hearing. When I think about this verse, my favorite day of the year is a Thursday in March. For those of you who are basketball fans, you're connecting with me right now. It's like from 11 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, basketball, college basketball, over and over and over again. And I'm like, the week before, I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait. And, like, you can buy this thing for your, for your satellite where you, where you get to watch every game. And now you can watch every game, like, on the internet. And so, like, I'm parked in front of it, watching it. And somewhere around 4 or 5 o'clock, I start getting hungry, and my eyes start to hurt. And I'm like, golly, this is i got to just turn the TV off because it's just enough. Enough. But once again, that Thursday in March, coming up in 2013, my value system is going to tell me I need to be parked in front of that television. Read that verse again. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What do you you spend your life on? We're going to talk about a catalog of vanities coming up. The things that we value, the things that we attach value to, the things that we attach meaning to. But they're all worthless. Everything is worthless. All is vanity, he says. Dark, depressed, Solomon. Dark, depressed, wise, inspired by the Spirit of God, Solomon. Don't miss that. Verse 9, what has been will always be. What is done, what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. We labor, we, we strive to create, to be new. This is really discouraging to me. Be real with you reading Ecclesiastes and this desire to be creative as we lead this church. What has been done is what will always be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It's already been for the ages before us. Hey, I got this great idea. Yeah. Somebody's already had it. Verse 11, there is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the later things yet to be among those who come after. Quick, somebody tell me what your great, great, great grandfather's name was. We were driving down the street the other day, and Cooper was talking to a friend in the the back of the van, and he said, my, my great-grandfather was famous. Dad, what did, what did he do? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but we have this, this longing in us to be remembered. But I'm sure if, if we gave you guys some time, you might be able to figure out or come up with, you know, five generations ago what his name was. Great, you can remember his name. What'd he do? Did he lose a child to some disease? Did he, what field did he work in? What kind of relationship did he have with his spouse? What kind of dad was he? You won't know any of that stuff. What about your great, great, great grandchildren? They will have no idea what you spent your life on. It's discouraging to me. It's dark. But we're consumed, consumed with what we're going to do this afternoon. We're consumed with, with Here's a thought that I've had a lot this week. Studying through this and some of you were, were part of a prayer request that, that I sent out and I, I called Rachel and Rachel put it on the women's Facebook page and my, uh, my wife's Aunt Paula and Uncle Charlie are like grandparents to them and in a really difficult time in Jen's life they served her. They protected her for, for several years to guide her. Wonderful people. Jen owes so much to them. She's there right now taking care of them. We thought on, I think it was Tuesday this week, Jen went over there to check on him and Paul had fallen a couple times in the last few weeks and Uncle Charlie had lost like 30 pounds. He's a thin guy, he lost like 30 pounds in the last three weeks and he, was, he couldn't even breathe. It was like <laughs> gasping for breath. So Jen went over there and convinced him to go to the hospital. There was, we thought we might lose him that afternoon. So all these thoughts about, he, he's this really important guy to my bride And we might lose him. And he's served one church as an elder for 40 years. Just, you know, you want to model your life after somebody, go get next to my Uncle Charlie and spend some time with him. He's a good guy to model your life after. And here he is, laying on a hospital bed. We don't know if he's going to make it. So I got to go see him on Friday afternoon. He was, things had kind of settled, and things were good. He was, you know, he's. They'd given him Sunday or Saturday afternoon, you're going to get to go home, so you're, you're good, you're going to make it. You know, his life is not at risk. But I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I would really, I want to talk to him about his legacy or, or what you value. Or if you could go back and be 25 again, what would you change? What would you do differently? And here, this is who I think is a really wise guy who served his, his family and his church Well, for 40 years. That's where my memory goes back to. I'm sure he was doing the same 50 and 60 years ago. But my memory goes back 40 years. A guy serving and, and loving his wife and his, and his family and his church well. What, what would you say to me as I'm almost 42, leading a church, trying to lead a family? What would you say to me? Solomon, there is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the later things yet to come among those who are come to come after. It's dark. Makes me just want to curl up in a bed. Flip with me to the end of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verse 13. There's a light that Solomon gives us. Our series is called Perspective, trying to change our minds, trying to change our focus. Solomon spends almost 12 full chapters talking about this darkness that we've talked about. And he ends it with this. This is a divinely inspired Solomon writing these words. The wisest man who ever lived writing these words. He has given his, his treatise for all of life. And he ends it here, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. I've said all that I said in these 12 chapters to say this to you. And I want to keep this in front of us all the time as we engage this dark, depressed Solomon giving us meaninglessness. Everything, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. Why are you here? Why are you here? Fear God, keep his commands. What does that mean fear god revere worship honor respect place yourself under i'm below you not fear like as in don't hurt me fear as in you are so amazing it is a life of positional worship and i please forgive me for that pastoral sounding phrase positional worship place yourself. God, I am here on earth. You can kill me at any time. You can take my life at any time. Everything about me is worthless, meaningless, vanity, vapor. But you have given to me a bride to love, children to raise, a church to lead, a Bible to study, a mind to think, You have given purpose. You are above me. I recognize my position. Fear God. The whole duty of man. Solomon, divinely inspired, has said all these things to say this to you. Fear God. Revere God. Positionally worship God. And keep his commands. Obey him obey him that's your that's why you're here that's your whole purpose fear god and keep his commands and this is this is challenging i think here's a this is a critique on me and on us the place where we find ourselves in this church A lot of this, a lot of your presence here, a lot of my desire to, to, to plant and, and invest in this place is a reaction to a rebellion against religion and religious behavior. And so the pendulum that swings in my heart is I'm going to live under Grace. That's, that's a great thing to say, I'm going to live under grace. That's totally valuable. But the pendulum that swings in the era that's made just like that in churches just like this one all across the state is obedience can become something that doesn't matter much. My heart is convicted of how I view myself, of how I lead my family, and of how I lead you guys. Obedience matters. All has been said. The end of the matter fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is the perspective for us. Just like we saw in the movie at the beginning fear God and keep his commands. is our perspective it changes the way we look at everything I want to show you one more clip before we're done I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past you've walked past them many times I don't think you've really looked at them they're not that different from you are they? Haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. Daffodils. If you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? the day boys he goes on to get it wrong he goes on to tell them to chase after things that Solomon calls vanity but the point is I believe that God is leading us to to lean in close to Solomon as he says seize the day Seize the day to fear God and keep his commands. And forget about everything else. Let's pray. God, I I come before you and I admit that I'm really confused as to where you're taking us, Father. I'm confused as to why he would have solomon write 12 chapters filled with meaninglessness darkness and depression and one simple little verse confused as to why you didn't spend 12 chapters about that one verse father but i i, I beg of you I want to lean in close to hear what you have to say to us. I beg of you to change our perspective, Father, how we view this world, how we view how we will spend our lives. God change how we value things. Change how we attach meaning to things. God, have your way with us, please. Change us. God, we give our lives to you. In Christ's perfect name, amen.